Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. Hey, we're in our series called Frequency, and um, really we're talking about tuning into the Holy Spirit. Uh, the reality is in the church world, uh, God the Father gets a ton of attention. In a lot of our prayers, we speak to God the Father. Uh, Jesus the Son, we completely understand that. We have a holiday for uh, Jesus the Son, and uh, we celebrate that at Christmas. And so we say, Emmanuel, God with us. God came close through Jesus. Today, we actually fall on a holiday that uh, many of us don't even um, really know about or think about too much, and that is Pentecost. Um, and in historically, in my own world, in my own denominational background, um, we never celebrated Pentecost Sunday. But the reality is, Pentecost Sunday, today, 50 days after um, uh, the resurrection, 50 days later, Pentecost, we end up with the introduction of the Holy Spirit. And so today where we land in frequency is to discuss that introduction of the Holy Spirit of God to men. And I think what you're going to find is a lot of things that, that we would have done show up in this story. And um, you see that God chooses to do new things and bigger things beyond what we would have chosen to do. So let's just dive straight in. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And the scriptures say this, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Can you say all together? They were all together. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues, as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from, other nation, uh, from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are these not who are speaking Galileans. And how is it that we each hear, each of us in our own native language, Corinthians and Medes and Elamites and residents, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadonia, uh, and uh, Pontus and Asia, and on and on and on, lots of places, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them telling in our own tongues, what did they hear? The mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocked, saying they are filled with new wine, meaning they are drunk. And no one in this room knows what that is, so uh, it, ask somebody when you leave. Here's the deal. The first thing today I want to tell you is this. The Holy Spirit paves the way for unity. The introduction of the Holy Spirit paved the way for unity to happen. The reality is, is in the flesh, you could see it operating every single day on your TV screen. You could see it everywhere you go. We have a desire as human beings to get into tribes. We, we have tribalism in our blood, and we want to get around people that agree with us and like us and do what we do, look like us and everything. We want to pull together with other people who will shout whatever it is we're shouting at the moment. And so we develop, we divulge into tribalism. 
And so your initial tribe is your family, and so your family's not like other families and that kind of thing. But then all of a sudden you get to teen years and you start to separate from mom and dad. You want your own identity, so you start to develop a new tribe. These are your friends that you ran with and you wanted to hang with and everything like that. Then you get a little older and you start to go to school and you say, well, my parents aren't all that bad, so I'll reconnect with them a little bit in my early 20s. And, but then I got some college friends or maybe I started work and I have this new tribe over here that I hang out with. And maybe you go to the club scene or the bar scene or whatever it is your story might entail. And, and it, it, tribalism just takes over. We want to pull away. Well, this was no difference than in, in that day. In that day, what would happen is that you had all of these people that experienced Christ, and for one reason or another, they were pulled away, and they were told to wait in Jerusalem. They were told to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. But they, what they did was they clustered themselves up in the upper room. 120 were gathered. They separated themselves out from the society around them. All these other Jewish people from, that spoke different languages, they pulled away from them, and they got into their own little cluster. And so they, 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 this is where they hung out, and they're waiting for God. And they did this later, actually, you end up seeing that then in the book of Acts, that later God actually allowed for, um, uh, for persecution to come on the people so that the, the church would spread. We have a habit of staying clustered together. And so what happens is they're up in this upper room and the Holy Spirit falls on them. And when the Holy Spirit came, what all of those people outside of the walls, all of a sudden, the Bible says that, that they began to come close. They heard the commotion. But then when they got a little closer, they're starting to listen. They can hear the works of God in their own language. So this very people that, that, that their early Christians were, were huddled together and kind of separating themselves. They don't believe what we believe. Let's stay away from them. And th so they get all together. And in the very first moment when the Holy Spirit of God comes down, what does the Spirit of God do? He draws in all these people that they were trying to stay away from. And by doing that, all of a sudden, they can't fit in that room anymore. Because the Bible says that all of a sudden, a ton more people come to faith. But right here in this, what we see is secondary. In the secondary note, you see this. The Holy Spirit works, brings out both the curious and the critical. The curious and the critical. It says that some became curious, verse 12, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? And the reality is there are a lot of people around you, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, they might not be believers, but if they would see the spirit of God at work in you, if they would see the way that you love, if they would see the way that you care, if they would see that God has done a new thing in here, then they might come and say, hey, what does that mean? But you need to be prepared if you let the, the spirit of God lead you, you're also going to come across this other group, which is the critical. But others mocked and said they are filled with new wine. Here's, here's what I find hilarious. Christians, Christians want a life that is free from mocking. We want a life that is free from anyone saying, that's ridiculous. That's dumb. There is no God. We want a, a life free from that. But what happened to Jesus when he was about to go to the cross? What happened to Jesus as he's on the cross? We think we're going to be followers of Jesus. And he's the one where they're making fun of him. They're, they're shouting up as he's dying. He's bleeding out in a humiliating death, naked. He's got nails in his hands and feet. He's got a crown on his head. He's humiliated. And people are spitting on him and say, oh, you think you're the king of the Jews? Bring yourself down. But we as his followers seem to feel like the way this is going to work is I won't face any pressure. I don't want anybody to make fun. I don't want anybody to question. I just want the curious. And I'll hang around the curious. If there are curious people, I can, I can talk to them. 
But the ones that are critical of me, oh, oh, oh. The reality is, if you're following Jesus, and people don't know Jesus, they haven't seen Jesus, they haven't experienced Jesus, you're going to get the curious, and you're going to get the critical. And you've got to learn, if I've got the Spirit of God in me, the Spirit of God is enough. The Spirit of God is enough. But some of us, we're so afraid of having the critical conversations. We're so afraid of having someone challenge us that we stay away from even talking about God at all. So the Spirit can't work in us. We're a dead-end street. We're a cul-de-sac. Because we just go and say, God, I, I'll do anything, Lord. We just sang that song, Oceans. And, and, and it's just one of those songs that where I just, I just feel like 98% of Christians in the world don't get. Like, oh, call me out. Where I just need you or I'll drown. But don't allow people to make fun of me. Don't allow life to be hard. Don't allow sickness. There's a young family, a family in Georgia at Sherwood where I go and preach a lot. And, and right now they have a 10-year-old that is battling cancer that's wrapped around his spine. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk across the waters. Really? And so what, what we have here is the introduction of the Holy Spirit of God on these people. They all of a sudden, God says, you're going to get close to the people that you're staying away from. You're going to get close to the people that don't believe what you believe. And you're going to have to hear some of them are going to say, hey, what's up? Tell me. But you're also going to have to hear some of them that say, hey, you're an idiot. And if we've got to decide what's the deal in our hearts with the Holy Spirit, where inside of a church building or inside the church walls, we're cool to celebrate. But outside, we don't really want to celebrate. We don't want to talk about God because we might have to deal with the critical. But others were mocking, saying they're filled with new wine. Here's what it comes down to, church. You will prioritize your appearance or the Holy Spirit's appearance. In your life and in mine, we will prioritize our own appearance, how the world views us, or we will prioritize the appearance of God in us. And so what happens is, is that inside of the church world, for that reason alone, you just see so much terrible theology, so much hate and not love for each other. You see so much. Because we're so worried about our appearance. There was a, a pastor recently of... of um, that came out and put a post on Facebook in um, a very fundamental denomination. But basically this week he called out the previous pastor because they had molested a child. And when he did that, he said, you know what? What's happened to us, this fundamental denomination, what's happened to us is we've rallied around the, the most evil among us just to protect our own reputation. And that has to end. And to that I say a hearty amen. That we cannot both protect our reputation and the reputation of God at the same time. We've got to protect the reputation of God among all others. We've got to be willing to look like a fool if it means that somebody might hear the gospel. We've got to be willing to look like a fool if our love goes too far for somebody. And we've got to be willing to say, hey, say what you want. I'm following the Spirit of God here. You can protect your reputation and appearance or the appearance of the Holy Spirit. When God is ready to work, are you ready to let Him? 
or do we need to shut it down because people might say you're crazy? God, when God is asking you to go the extra mile for somebody, will you? When God is saying give and be generous, will you? Or will you say, well, people think I'm crazy? It's your choice. You can protect your appearance and your reputation. Or you can focus in on the reputation and the appearance of God and trust that He will be your defender. He will be your shield. He will be the one that looks after you. But you have to be faithful to Him. So right in that moment, the, the introduction of the Holy Spirit comes and we find that the church already has to face some challenges. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and he addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. I mean, listen up. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Nine in the morning. So he's like, how are they drunk? It's only nine. Now, I don't know if this was flying Baltimore. I'm thinking Canton, Fells Point, something. I mean, Thirsty Thursdays. You, you, you might not be able to let this fly in Baltimore. But he was like, hey, how can they be drunk? It's only nine in the morning. But this, this is what was uttered through the um, prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons, look at this, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and on the signs of the earth below. Blood and fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon blood before the day of the Lord comes. The great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? saved everyone men of Israel hear these words Jesus of Nazareth a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men jumping down to verse 32 this Jesus God raised up and of all that we are witnesses being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David didn't ascend to the heavens, but he himself said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. I want you to understand what he was doing. Here you have, here you have Passover. You have all the, 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 the biggest, baddest Jews from everywhere are coming to celebrate. This would be like walking into, into Mecca during Ramadan and screaming out, hey, you guys killed your Savior. And so here he is in front of all the Jewish people. He's like, hey, I'm going to stand up and boldly proclaim. He could have left them alone. The Bible says that he wasn't even involved. He was sitting on the side. He's watching this whole thing happen. And he speaks up and he goes, hey, cut it out. They're, they're not drunk. They're being filled with the Spirit of God. And the one who sent the Spirit of God is the one that you guys killed. So knock it off and follow Jesus. And by doing this, you have people from all over the world that are hearing the gospel. I, I thought of this the other day during the, the royal wedding. I am not a big royal dude, so don't ask. But, I mean, I told my family, I was like, you know the king I most appreciate? They were like, which one? I was like, King George III. 
we beat him. So anyway, so so I'm not that. But but my wife had the the wedding on, and so uh, I, so we're watching and and watching the um the sermon of the pastor. Like he gave one of the greatest um, epistles, one of the greatest sermons about love and the power of love and God's love. And regardless of what the moment was and what was drawing people, he stood up and declared the love of God. He stood up and declared that God is love. He stood up and declared that Jesus, because of love, died for them. And so millions of people around the world was able to, were able to hear this message of hope and love and redemption because of a wedding. But Peter stands up. And because of this commotion, because people think that they're drunk and all this stuff, he stands up and he says, you killed Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is showing up and you don't want to miss this train. I really believe that inside the church, we need to hear that. We need to hear that there's a Spirit of God, that, that God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. One God. God revealed in three different natures, three different expressions. Three different personifications of who He is. And so that one God, a lot of us are neglecting the Spirit of God. We call it frequency because you have to tune in. You have to tune in to the frequency to get the channel clear. Some of us, we're aware that the Spirit of God is there, but we don't allow the Spirit of God to lead. We don't pray to the Spirit of God. We don't ask the Spirit of God to guide our next steps. When we have decisions in front of us, we don't say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to me. Speak to me about what I should do. Speak, Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, help me understand the Scriptures. Holy Spirit, give me peace and comfort to do what I know the Scriptures already tell me I'm to do. I don't have to come to You, Spirit, to say yes or no in the Scriptures. I know they're clear. So Father, give me the Holy Spirit's power and boldness to be able to live with conviction and walk in confidence for what He's called me to do. Many of us, our prayer lives are void of the Spirit. Many of us, our, our faith is void of the Spirit. And I got news for you. You're missing out on one third of the Trinity. You're missing out on a big part of who God is in your life. The Spirit is your comforter, your peace, your seal, the redemption. All of it. The Spirit is the one that Jesus sent. God the Father sent Jesus. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Don't miss the Spirit's movement. But Peter stood up and he said, hey, by the way, this Jesus, you killed Him. The Holy Spirit gives us power to speak of God's power. The Holy Spirit gives us power to speak of God's power. If you've had a hard time speaking of God's power, if you've had a hard time sharing your testimony, if you've had a hard time telling people, hey, you know what? This is what I really believe. This is who God is to me. Many of us will proclaim all kinds of other things, and they're not all bad. But we'll proclaim those, and we'll have those as hills to die on about this is, this is what I believe. This is who I am. This is what I think. And it's great. But man, are we... Are we putting any of those things above the fact that I am a Christian? I follow Jesus. I'm allowing the Spirit of God to lead me. I'm following the Lord. I'm following the King of kings and Lord of lords. And one day, all of us have to give an account. And I really love you too much to let you go through this life without you hearing from me. For me, at our wedding, I was, my wife and I, I got married, I guess, straight out of school. And at our wedding, I um, I stood, it was the most nerve-wracking thing I had ever done, but I stood before uh, all of our invited guests and I stopped the music and I grabbed the microphone and I shared the gospel of Jesus. 
And what I told everybody is I said, we'll never be assembled like this again. And the only reason you're invited here is because my wife or I love you. And so since you are here and since we do love you, I've got to tell you the most powerful message I could ever tell a human being. And then I walked through and told them about God's love and his redemptive plan and the fact that there is Christ and the fact that the spirit is available to them. And so in so doing, you and I have to take those times to be able to share. This is what's most important to me. The Holy Spirit gives us power to speak to God's power. Verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. Can you say Lord and Christ? Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What do you do when you're cut to the heart with the truth? What do you do when you know that you've offended God? What do you do when you know that you're the one that crucified our Savior? By the way, everybody in this room crucified our Savior. It was our sin. He became sin, the Scripture says. Though He knew no sin, He became sin for us. So you and I put Him to the cross just as much as the Roman executioner. And that's a theological component you've got to get so that way your grace and your mercy and your celebration of Him can be all the more. But when you feel like somebody else did it and it's a historical event and it's separate from me, then, then you get this past to be able to say, hey, I'm not a part of that. But the reality is it was your sin and it was my sin that put Jesus up on the cross. And so this message is for us too. It says, what, do, what should we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And with many other words, He bore witnesses and continued witness and continued to exhort them, saying, "Save yourself from this crooked generation." So those who received His word were baptized, and they were added to that day about three thousand souls. From a group of hundred and twenty, the Spirit of God moved. And 3,000 souls came to the Lord. You're jotting notes, write this down. Our response to the Spirit is to repent and receive. Repent and receive. You and I, in encountering the Spirit and tuning into the Spirit's frequency, we're given boldness, we're given courage, we're given strength. We're given the power to speak to God's goodness. But what is it that we are to do? Repent. Repent is a military term that means to turn around. To stop marching the direction you're marching. Some of us in this room, you've been marching in the wrong direction for far too long and you know it. You've tried to play God. You've tried to be religious. But the reality is you're marching away from God. And God has spoken to your heart and pulled at your heart and gnawed at your heart that you're walking away from me. Stop. I love you. Come back. And maybe you felt not good enough. Maybe you wanted to play God. Maybe that your, your pride just wouldn't let you. But there needs to be a day in your life where you repent. You turn around and pivot and march the other direction. But when you repent, you also receive the Spirit of God. You receive on you, in you, the sanctifying, soul-cleansing, Holy Spirit power who empowers you to live out the life God designed you for free from sin. Not that you'll never stumble into it, but you'll quit swimming in it. 
And so you, you repent and receive the Spirit of God. And the Scripture says that, that He is both Lord and Christ. See, some of us, we're prepared to receive Jesus as Christ. We're prepared to receive the Messiah. But we really don't want a whole lot to do with that Lord. You see, Lord's like landlord. Lord means that He owns it all. And so we're comfortable with Messiah Christ. We're comfortable with the sacrificial lamb. We're comfortable with, I'm free from the, the problems of sin anymore. I don't have to give an account to God. We're cool with all that. But are we okay with letting Jesus be Lord? What that means is He owns it all. He bought us with a price, the Scripture says. And so as a result, because He owns it all, because He owns us, because He rules and reigns over us, we go to the Scriptures. We go through the power of the Spirit, interpreting the Scriptures for us and helping us to understand. And then we say, Jesus, not my will be done. But what did He say? What did Jesus say at, Galilee, or at the Garden of Gethsemane before He went to the cross? Not my will be done, Father, but Yours. Let Your will be done. And so that's what Lordship means. Lordship means as I walk through life, as I learn things that, that break the heart of God, hurt the heart of God, I repent, I turn around and I say, not my will. Because my, my will is going to be landing with the flesh. Not my will, let your will be done. And here's what you're trusting in that process. You're trusting that God knows better than you do. You're trusting that God loves you incredibly. So much so, He gave up His own Son to die for you. So you're trusting when His will happens in your life, it's a net gain. There'll be, the deaths to, there'll be a death to some brokenness. There'll be a death to some pain. There'll be a death to having your own way and doing your own will, but there's a net gain because He knew better to begin with. He's both Lord and Christ. Hudson Taylor has a quote that you may have heard before, and I'm going to end with this today. Christ is either Lord of all, or He's not Lord at all. Christ is either Lord of all, or He's not Lord at all. Those of you that, that have rented an apartment or a house before, you understand this idea of lordship, landlord, and imagine how crazy would it be if you had your contract out and everything, and you said, yeah, like, um, I'm going to pay you, but like, the kitchen's mine. Like, I'll respect your wishes. Like, in the living room, like, you say, hey, I, I shouldn't put nail holes in the wall, or... I, I shouldn't paint it a different color, you know. And yeah, I read that in the rules. Like, it's there. But like, the kitchen's mine. Just so you know, I'm tearing out those cabinets. Those are ugly. Right? Imagine if that was the way that you approached your landlord. Like, yeah, I see the contract. I see what I signed up for. I see that it's your property. But, but, but I just want you to know, like, I'm cool and all. We're cool and all. Great. We live here. I'll send you a check. But the kitchen's mine. He's either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. You really belong to Him or you don't really belong to Him. Now quickly, I'm never, ever, ever going to advocate that that means that you're subjecting yourself to the Lordship of any other person or a priest or a pastor. So do not misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not saying that a pastor or a religious teacher all of a sudden becomes your God. I'm saying that there is a Spirit of God available to you and you'll follow Him or you won't. And you'll seek the Scriptures or you won't. 
You'll let Him be Lord of your life or you won't. But the Spirit of God is available and waiting and your role and my role is to repent and receive. So when the Holy Spirit comes, He paves the way for unity. When the Holy Spirit comes, He gives power to speak about God's power. Our response to the Holy Spirit coming is to repent and receive. Today, all across this room, I pray to God that you would indeed repent and receive. That we would honor the God that made us and love us and sustains us. The breath in our lungs is because of the gift. And you and I would live our lives saying, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, give me the power to speak up for you. Help me to not put anything else on the throne of God other than you. And help me to walk with you every single day. And Father, there's no pastor, priest, or king that controls me. But Spirit of God, you do. And I want to let you have that work in me. I don't want to keep fighting you even though I call myself a Christ follower. All across this room, I pray that you and I would have an incredible, rich walk with the Spirit of God who's ready to lead you and love you.